Zeus, Apollo, at your post, lads. Hello and welcome to the lads on Magnum. I am your uh, host, Apollo, uh, Steve Skelton. I'm here with your Zeus, Todd Robert Anderson. I am Zeus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is our second episode. Uh, we're talking all things Magnum PI. This uh, episode in particular, we are talking part two of the pilot, episode two, Please Don't Eat the Snow in Hawaii. Uh, is the title of the episode airing. because somebody peed on the cocaine? No, that's no. It would be don't eat the yellow snow in Hawaii. Oh, we went over this last episode. I don't. I Good forgot. lord! Uh, this was uh, original air date was December eleventh, nineteen eighty. So uh, that's uh, taking us way back. The DVD episode synopsis. Let's hear it. For this episode, part two is Magnum and Dan's sister Alice continue in their quest to learn the truth behind Lieutenant Dan Cook's death. They get more than they bargained for when they uncover a gold smuggling plot and come face to face with a criminal mastermind Magnum and Dan once knew in Vietnam. Magnum puts his own life on the line to expose the truth and clear his friend's name. <laughs> Uh, do you, do you, you, do you smuggle gold and cocaine? No, we deal (laughs) in gold and cocaine. (laughs) So, uh, this episode starts, uh, where we open on Rick's Cafe American, uh, which is already kind of a tedious part of Magnum. Yeah. How long did he have his stupid Cafe American I don't before know. he switched to the King Kamehameha? Yeah, before they before they went, This is a this joke ain't got no legs. Yeah. Let's just go to Let's this. just give him a tiki bar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, show opens, uh Magnum and Alice pull up in the Ferrari uh to Rick's club and uh they are met by a uh Boisterous valet. Hello. Hey, Moki. Magnum? Come on, brother. This is a task now in your car? What do you mean, is it mine? Doesn't it look like it's mine? <laughs> Come on, man. Did they used to give out like SAG cards based on how long you laughed on camera? <laughs> is that? Yeah, if it's in the eighties, if you had that... an under five but you stretched a laugh out, <laughs> you got your. Then you get upgraded to co-star. That was like a Taft Hartley thing. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was such an extended grotesque laugh. Yeah, it was really weird, and me, it was so mean spirited. Yeah, so mean. And he's like, "You're a valet. What? Yeah, fuck you." <laughs> I have a Ferrari. Who What's, cares whose it is? Customer service is important. <laughs> Treat me with respect. <laughs> so Magnum uh, uh, makes his way into the club, and uh, which is Rick's place, where all the locals score their cocaine. So Rick is firmly established as uh, in, in bed with the criminal empire uh, and underworld of Hawaii. Uh, and Rick is a goddamn criminal. What the hell is? Well, yeah. and then later on, he's like best friends with a mob boss named Ice Pick. That's Rick right. is into some heavy duty shit. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. No, but if you're a PI, 
It's a good contact to have. It's a good contact to have. So they're there to meet with Snow White, who is described as Hawaii's biggest cocaine dealer, uh, because as Magnum figures, look, this is a frame job on Lieutenant Dan, and they put a bunch of cocaine in his tummy and punched him till it, the the balloons exploded. And uh, only someone who can move a ton of cocaine could afford to blow that much cocaine on framing somebody for... It's a little convoluted. It's very convoluted. But then also there were other details about Snow White that were weird. Like she she was married to a mobster, you know, whatever, organized crime person at 11. But yeah, it was like an underage bride. It was like, what? What? It was a lot of curveballs. Yeah, I was like, what? In this whole Snow White criminal underworld, like more stuff than is necessary for the plot. And you know what struck me while I was listening to the Snow White backstory uh, in the dialogue was in the last... Uh, part of this uh, pilot doesn't Rick make a joke about being rescued by the seven dwarves to Magnum when they're on the phone oh he might have yeah and and I was like is that was that connected or is it just the writer's room just had Not Snow White on the, on the brain well they were it's 1980 they were all on cocaine they're on cocaine right of course I forgot I forgot it's the the first drafts of all of their scripts. The dialogue was just cocaine, 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 <laughs> cocaine, and they had to go back and rewrite, replace all the cocaines with actual dialogue. <laughs> they were on that much cocaine. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they uh, uh, Magnum learns through. Uh, through these contacts that Dan may have stumbled onto a stolen gold bullion deal uh, that was going to take place in Hawaii, which is connected to some mysterious new drug dealer, arms dealer type crime person who's not Snow White. And Snow White gives Magnum the location of this deal that's supposed to go down Mm -hmm. uh, and hoping she's kind of hoping he'll screw up the competition for her. Um, So she's kind of, you know, uh, playing, you know, her cards close to the vest or whatever that phrase is. I don't know. She's playing chess or something. (laughs) She's she's playing chess close to her cards. She's keeping her chess on her chest. So, uh... (laughs) So now what has to happen is now Magnum has to go searching for uh, this meeting place. So this is the first time we see TC's modern day chopper. The Island Hopper. The Island Hopper. Which is a staple of the Magnums. Uh Uh-huh. So very first uh, TC and Magnum, they're uh, flying around in the chopper searching for this uh, drug dealer, smuggler, arms dealer, gold billion deal that had something to do with the cocaine that was in Lieutenant Dan's stomach that got put there and then he got punched and died. Is that... Clear enough? That's, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty said, clear, that's right? Clear. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Um, so, uh, o- over the course of this uh, kind of in-and-out helicopter search montage, we get another Vietnam flashback, and this is the one where it goes, from, I think, from TC flying modern chopper to TC flying old chopper. And is Vietnam this, chopper. Is this the very first time uh, in the island hopper uh, part, uh, is this the first time TC has made fun of Magnum for being cheap? I think so, yeah. So, and that is... Which is a run. Yeah, it's a run. That's running. the whole series. Yeah. Uh, but the valet guy started it. Yes. You know? All starts with the valet guy. The valet guy. Jesus Christ. So, uh, in the Vietnam flashback, TC is flying the chopper with Rick. Uh, in the back. In the back, on the way. They're 
who's got a who's shooting a gun. He's the door gunner, yeah. But I don't know if you noticed this, but it looked in one shot where Rick's in the back and he's holding the gun and he's not shooting it, and it looks like he as an actor said is jammed. This thing is jammed. Oh, really? Yeah. And they kept it in because it uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. He's so far in the yeah, back yeah. and it's small, but I was like I don't think that was the character saying the gun was jammed. I think I think the actor's, I think the like, actor's like, wrong with this. It doesn't work. Because <laughs> he stopped firing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, they're, and they're on their way to pick up the squad, which is still on the run from the last flashback. Uh, right. They're running to their, their extraction site. And, uh... So you get Robert Loja. Loja, he gives the order to run for the chopper. They they come under heavy fire, and Loja stays behind to give Magnum and his squad time to reach TC's chopper. Right. Um, and... But then, it, as it turns out, somehow, that be, turns into only Magnum and Lieutenant Dan make it back, because I don't see any, any of the other guys. They seem to all get I think they lost. all got killed. Yeah. Uh, and Loja's wounded, radios them to leave him behind, and that's the end of the flashback. And I'm sure that's the end of Robert Loja's yeah. appearance in, in this premiere two-parter episode of Magnum He was uh, just trying to and get that extra cash he, he was for the hero. Yeah, get everybody yeah. out, and his job is done. We won't hear from him again. See, he didn't want to be in Plan 2. Of the sad yeah. health. He wanted yeah. plan one. He just wanted plan one. <laughs> 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 so, uh, now we uh, come back to the present day, and Magnum and TC notice there's a U.S. Navy vessel near an island that the Navy uses for target practice, and Magnum says uh, uh, that they're there to warn off civilians uh, when uh, practice is in session, and they should continue their search and uh, he and TC have this exchange. TC, I wish you'd get in the spirit of this case. Yeah, you almost said mission again. <laughs> to the south, TC. We'll start to the south. Mm-hmm. Long live the south. <laughs> that was kind of a <laughs> weird... A weird moment. It's a, it's a weird moment. It's a weird line. And it's a strange line rating. Yeah, it, the whole thing feels self-conscious yeah. about it 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 reeks of being written by a casually racist white person who right. doesn't realize they're being casual right who's, who then, just goes for this play on words and isn't thinking about who he's writing it for what the context is yeah and <laughs> yeah it's like we got our one black character so let's make a joke about the south yeah. it's really weird <laughs> it's and it's clear good. that uh tc is weird about it yeah yeah. And uh, so the the jazzy helicopter uh, montage continues with more jazzy music. and it, But it's okay because uh, then they spot some more boats and the writers make up for that Long Live the South line with uh, this classy one. Ow! I think I'm in love. Did you see the bazooms on that water? Bazooms. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think it was like, really? Do you think they re- had a, a different word in their draft and the like standards and practices came and said you can't use that word? Think use something else. I'm sorry, you guys. You can't use titties. You cannot say titties. No, I mean How about I, bazooms. I bet Fine. bazooms was written in it because they're going after a little bit of a comic vibe on the Magnum show. They're yeah. They try to have bits and jokes 
and bazooms is a funny. But word. it's like they don't like what, what's interesting, especially for the in the pilot, is they kind of careen back and forth between overly serious and clunky comedy. Like it's not like a they're not close together. Yeah, and but that's the sort of the appeal of Magnum for me was that it was yeah like, it, would it jump was this weird wildly ma- like can you imagine uh, our mutual friend Andy Kamineski said this to me once he's like can you imagine the pitch meeting for this show <laughs> like if you tried to pitch you walk in so he's a private investigator and he lives it, it, he freeloads off of a famous uh, pulp novelist who right? you never see who you never see uh, and he's got PTSD he's constantly flashing back to Vietnam like <laughs> like people would look at you like you had three like, heads like most of the most of the time be like I'm gonna stop you right there <laughs> stop stop get out <laughs> get out of my office <laughs> You're not making any sense. But thank you for the cocaine. (laughs) Because this is 1980. So, but here's the thing. At the end of this uh, uh, helicopter search montage with the jazzy, jazzy music, uh, Magnum realizes, wait, it's Sunday. The Navy doesn't conduct target practice on Sundays. So why is that Navy ship out and about? And they fly back. Uh, And at the site of this Navy patrol boat, uh, they they see that it oh it just looks like a navy ship but it doesn't have the mar- any marking naval markings it's a private boat and the chopper swings back towards them uh, to get some pictures and then a guy comes on deck who, who looks a whole hell of a lot like Robert Loggia <laughs> even though weird. we don't quite see yeah, uh, his face he's looking through binoculars at the chopper and he's surrounded by goons with machine guns and Magnum's got his camera going, and uh, TC's like, we gotta get out of here, they're gonna shoot, they're gonna shoot, and Magnum says, they're not gonna shoot. Cut to a dark room where pictures are being developed of the goons shooting at them. Which <laughs> yeah. is a pretty good transition. Yeah, that is a good I, transition. I like that. I, I like that bit. That was you, you knew it was coming, but they don't even, like, the obvious move would have been to cut to, well, they were shooting at us, but they instead it was a darkroom picture of just guys with their guns with and shooting it was like guns. that was a nice was and then higgins and, and magnum bicker about the quality of the photograph right right because somehow i guess higgins is the only one that can develop photographs even though magnum is a private investigator I, I, so he's a he higgins is just involved because in in like the writers room they're like oh shit we haven't seen higgins yet this episode yeah we gotta well, get him in somewhere put him, ah, put him in the dark room <laughs> give him some pictures <laughs> So, yeah, there's all these blurred pictures of clearly Robert Loggia. <laughs> I know, and it's it Magnum's doing the, there's something familiar so about familiar. this guy. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and uh, in the middle of this, Higgins gets a phone call on literally the Red Bat phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's the um, Robin Masters hotline, <laughs> apparently. But it's not Robin Masters. It's TC calling for Magnum. Higgins is exasperated. This is a, a, a featured moment uh, of, of beer drinking. TC's having uh-huh, a beer uh-huh. at, in his office. And that is also uh, the clip used in the uh, theme song uh, opening in the li- after they get rid of the crappy Oh, yeah, it's one of the clips yeah. in there. And uh, they, they start their conversation. Uh, TC starts it like this. Well, here's to survive in another, uh, what did you call it? Case. <laughs> Like, he can't remember it's called a case. Uh, yeah. Was he teasing him? Or was I was unclear. Did or has he, he been re- drinking all afternoon after being shot at in his helicopter? <laughs> which makes the most sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 
so uh, TC gives Magnum the report on the boat uh, that after they were shot at. Apparently, TC went back and followed it. He had rendezvoused with another boat and then headed towards Maui. Uh, then Higgins and Magnum fight over the use of the Ferrari. Higgins wins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though it's he ends up using it later anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but now Magnum needs to get some Navy information. Of course so he does. He puts on his old Navy uniform. Oh, before that, there's a moment before you you move into this. Uh, there's a moment. I think it's when Magnum's on the phone talking to TC, and Higgins is standing behind him as yeah. he's having the conversation, glaring. Yeah. glaring and tapping a riding crop <laughs> on his hand. And I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" What is he gonna hit Magnum with the riding crop? It was it was a little weird. Yeah, that is weird and it's, a little erotic. Yeah, well, there's a lot of kinky stuff. Like in yeah. the first half, you know, he he does weird incest role play with, uh, with the Alice. lady and throws yeah. her on the bed, and yeah. here's Higgins with a riding crop. The Robin Masters estate is a weird, dark. Oh, you know, there's a sex dungeon in one of those bungalows. <laughs> You know there is. Yeah. Like, it's just covered in vinyl. <laughs> the whole interior. Swings. Yeah. Just the whole nine yards. It's like the, the, the Lethal Weapon guy's house. What's, yeah. uh, uh, what's the guy who created that? Or the... Shane Black. It's or the like guy, Shane Black's or, house. Or the, uh, the guy that uh, was one of the creators of Barbie doll. I just watched that Netflix, uh, The Toys That Made Us, the Barbie episode. Apparently, like, the one guy that was also super influential in doing, like, the articulation and the mechanics of the doll was a sex addict. And he became very rich because of Barbie and used that to fuel his sex parties. Oh, well, that's great. So, Congrats. That's a... Uh, I wish I had lots of money to fuel my sex parties. Oh, boy, we all do. As it is, it's just... Who doesn't? Alone in the bathroom. So, they're gonna... So, <laughs> Wow, that is that is just sad with your with, with your riding crop. <laughs> just hitting myself. Oh, lordy. So Magnum puts on his Navy uniform because he's going to impersonate a naval officer because he's been out of the Navy for a year. He quit. He looks good. Uh, he, he looks, looks good. almost Alice as good as Steven Seagal in Under Siege. A man in uniform. Oh, yeah. Um... But, uh, so, uh, he, he doesn't want to talk about why he resigned from the Navy. No. So it kind of actually, this is kind of also laying the groundwork kind of this. And he never wanted to put this uniform back. Yeah, he didn't want to go back, but Lieutenant Dan is his friend and he's doing it for his friend. Uh, so, uh, and at this, and then, and then when he's in uniform, like Alice like kisses him. There's like a, like this romantic kissy moment that's also super awkward. And then, and is that when he tells her uh, it's just the timing's bad? Yeah, yeah, they have a weird it's timing. Just the timing. It's like they couldn't de- the writers couldn't decide whether they were like, well, I guess it has there has to be a romantic angle because it's a man and a woman, right? I guess is like how they kept, and then someone was like, no, I don't think you really have to do that. And the notes from the studio were like, you have to do that. Do we? Maybe we do. I don't know. I'm on all this cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> So they leave to head to the naval base, and this whole time outside, now we see they they're being observed by that last surviving ice cream goon, who survived the the, the car explosion. From the wreck. Yeah, from the wreck, um, and he's been watching them uh, uh, 
the whole time. And he, uh, and he also takes some time to creep on the blonde ladies who are still guests uh, yeah. at the estate. Uh, like, but he's all, he's still all banged up, right? Yeah, no, no, he's still all banged up. But, and then Apollo... He's like Will Ferrell in those Austin Powers <laughs> yeah. movies. But then Apo- just badly Apollo and Zeus show up. Yeah. To, and they chase him off and he jumps over the wall and runs away. Which basically means Magnum is terrible at his one job of making sure estate security is up to snuff. Right. He's established in part one that that's why he got his free room and board. And this guy clearly just climbed over the wall and was there for God knows how long before even the dogs noticed him. Yeah, peeping and whatnot. So Magnum sucks at his job. The dogs well, suck I mean, too. in Magnum's defense, he's very distracted. His friend that's is true. dead. That's true. That's true. But anyway, Ice Cream Goon uh, follows them, and uh, at the naval base, yeah, Magnum and Alice are gonna bluff their they bluff their way onto the base. Well, she's going to uh, distract somebody. Like he. How does he put it? Well, I mean, it's clear he wants her to be all sexy. Well, to no, they they get people. in, they get in. Uh, uh, I don't know. They somehow kind of just drive on, and it's okay because there's like he uses his windshield wiper fluid to obscure his face so the guard doesn't see him. Right, and then the guard just lets him drive through without checking who it is. Yeah, this naval base is terrible it's, security. It's worse than Magnum security. At, uh, <laughs> Robin maybe Masters that's estate. why it sucks at his yeah. job. Bad yeah, maybe, training. Yeah, maybe he did the security for the naval <laughs> base too. So they just drive on, and then they have this exchange in the car, and then but then Magnum goes in. They kiss again in the car, too. right? And again, it's also awkward and weird and not appropriate. Um, and then Magnum goes into the building by himself, and we find on duty the uh, the enlisted. Navy Navy man on duty yeah. is none other than Judge Reinhold, star of Vice Versa, <laughs> and uh, he and Magnum have this exchange. You always read on duty, seaman. No, no, sir. I mean, yes, sir. I mean, well, sometimes, sir. Sometimes. I've never seen you before. What's your name? Seaman Wolf, sir. I just reported from Great Lakes on Wednesday. Do you know the temperature today in Honolulu, Seaman Wolf? No, sir. I mean, well, maybe, sir. Uh, 72, sir? Do you know the temperature today at Great Lakes, Seaman Wolf? No, sir. Well, neither do I, but I bet you it's cold enough to raise goosebumps on your butt just thinking about it. Yes, sir. Well, unless goosebumps give you a thrill, I suggest you save cheap Robin Masters novels for off-duty time. Yes, sir. He, he got boy, a dig in on Robin Masters. Boy, and boy, was that 40 seconds worth it. Oh, my God. What a it was... lightning exchange. Like, I have a feeling that, like, this whole kind of, like, sir, yes, sir, huh, what, uh, was, like, a Lotzi that Reinhold kind of improved a bit of in his audition, and it killed. Yeah. And they tried and failed to recreate it. Here. In in the show because it would have been so easy for the editor to just chop what are you doing here are you always read on the job robin masters books suck i'm out of here like you could, it would have been so easy to chop that into nothing so i'm also thinking like the studio was like we need running time for the second episode and we like this reinhold guy yeah we think yeah. he's good he's going places he's funny <laughs> he's a funny one what's his name judge funny name <laughs> so yeah so it's it, not it's not good 
No, it's not. So now Magnum gets into the offices in the middle of the night. He's searching through these files, looking for clues as to what Lieutenant Dan was working on that got him murdered that makes the, his commanding officer, Captain Cooley, say, I hate this guy, and I'm, he's going to be dishonor, dishonor the Navy, and he can't be buried in Arlington Cemetery, uh, and to connect uh, everything together. While this is all going on, Magnum's Navy buddy, Ensign Healy, who's the guy, I guess, in charge of Nightwatch here yeah. at the base. I don't know. Who knows? He shows up, finds Alice waiting in the car. She kind of says, oh, but I'm here to pick up my brother's effects for my dad, the Admiral. Kind of bluffs her way through it. And Healy says, well, I'll help you go get it, even though it's like three in the morning. Uh, right. <laughs> so uh, they're on their way up. Magnum finds this file uh, that connects Lieutenant what Lieutenant Dan was doing to uh, this gold bullion exchange that the criminals were going to be doing in Hawaii. This plot's not clear. No, it's really it's not. It's very convoluted. Yeah, and but it also connects back to Captain Cooley. <clears throat> there was a, a snippet of dialogue that I made a note on. I can't I can't remember if it was in the uh, narration. Or if it was equipped to somebody. But at a certain point, Magnum says, that's like making McGarrett a meter maid. What? Yeah. He said, that's like making McGarrett a meter maid. That's and, very alliterative. Well, and who's McGarrett? Are the, is it a reference to Hawaii Five-0? Because that's the name of uh, the, the main, the main the, guy. I don't know. McGarrett. I don't know. I was weird. But it's, it's a good question it's that a Hawaii I could show. have been prepared for if you would have told me ahead of time. It was a Hawaii show, like yeah. after Hawaii 5 yeah. So it makes sense that they made I get McGarrett like, Meter made cop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's it was not, also... It's not good. No, but it also happened so fast, yeah. and it's such a weird reference. Yeah. I was like, did he just reference another Hawaii yeah. action show? So now we got some tension because uh, Healy and Alice are coming up, to the offices where Magnum is, and he has to find a place to hide. So he uh, runs to Captain Cooley's office to pick the lock so he can get in and hide uh, from uh, uh, Ensign Healy and not be discovered, and uh, we get this bit. Don't look at the elevator, work the lock. Work the lock, don't look at the elevator. You looked at the elevator. Which is, which is a callback to the part one the first right. episode where he's breaking into the Ferrari and the dogs are running after him. Right, right. Um, so it's a little, a little. It's funny to me too that it, it, because at this point in this pilot, you know, movie length pilot, um, the plot is a little convoluted and strange. But it also struck me that he was in in the first part. He was in the office with the reanimator guy, Captain. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Captain Cooley. Yeah. Uh, Captain Cooley, and Captain Cooley handed him a file. And he looked through it, and then he said, I don't care what's in the file. And now he's going through all this trouble he wants to a file break now. in and now see he wants the file. A, or I guess it's a different file. It's a different file, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's just... Anyway, he, he gets... He goes back and forth on yeah. this file issue. But the important thing is, is now that he's in Captain Cooley's office hiding, he finds, oh shit, Captain Cooley's dead in his office. Yeah. And he's been dead for a couple of days. Yeah. It, it would have been better if his head was in like a tray, like in Reanimator. Yeah. You know, and yeah, just I mean, talking yeah. at Magnum. Yeah. But, you know, this was good too. Well, then he probably could have solved the mystery a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. Just ask him a question. <laughs> so, uh, so now Captain Cooley's dead and he's connected somehow. Uh, so Magnum sneaks out uh, and, 
and then uh, Alice leaves. Uh, uh, her her bluff is complete, and they get out of there. Now here's the thing: Magnum now pieces starts piecing together this case. Uh, apparently, there was a downed Japanese plane in Hawaii here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was carrying secret cargo during the Pearl Harbor attack, and it was found uh, recently. Uh, the, the sunken plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Cooley was aware that this plane had a ton of gold on it. That was a secret cargo. But uh, uh, didn't tell anybody. He like said, no, it's a Japanese Zero. It's a fighter plane. It's, no, it's just right. a sunk fighter plane. So uh, Cooley was on the so tape. So Cooley was involved in getting this gold uh, and hoping for this big payday. But a relative of the pilot mm-hmm. of that plane mm-hmm. contacted Lieutenant Dan, who Cooley had given like busy work stuff because he hated him mm-hmm. and this kind of historical busy work stuff and said, oh, I think that was, you know, my relative was flying that plane and Dan went to Japan to get that info and then he came, that's where he was coming back from. Mm-hmm. Then when he was attacked by the goons, the ice cream goons, yeah. uh, and who I guess jammed cocaine balloons in his mouth and then beat him up yeah which is still unclear exactly how that yeah, went. yeah it's not clear uh, and uh so that that's how uh dan got killed but by captain cooley's criminal partner uh the mastermind who hasn't been revealed yet and absolutely in no way could possibly be robert Lozier. No, no, of course not. Yeah. Loja's, it can't be Loja. He died, died in Nam. Does that seem clear enough? No. <laughs> is that, am I right? I or? am so lost right now. <laughs> so now uh, we go back to Rick's club and uh, Higgins is delivering these photographs to Rick and TC, which I guess are the boat photographs mm-hmm. he's delivering some convoluted reason why he needs to go to the club and uh, deliver some photographs uh and uh and gets uh uh offended when uh, rick offers him some money for his trouble and uh, this is his response i uh, don't accept tips yeah i bet you don't give me them <laughs> TC's just and TC's just standing staring out a window at the club. Well, twice <laughs> throws that away. TC likes throwing away insults. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's H- true though. He's British. Yeah. They don't tip. Now Higgins leaves the club and the ice cream goon is there. Has been watching him this whole time because he followed the Ferrari that right. Higgins took. Um, and uh, so, but here's the thing: as that ice cream goon is leaving, Rick. Because he's connected to the underworld, because he's a criminal running a criminal mm-hmm. enterprise mm-hmm. in his club, recognizes this guy. He's seen him for the first time. Goes, right. oh shit, I know that guy. Grabs a fucking machine gun. It's a Uzi. Yeah. Do you know and, how? Do you know how strict Hawaiian gun laws yeah. are? <laughs> so and and but Ricky's also wearing like the classic like. Uh, Rick Casablanca Rick outfit, the white tuxedo jacket, black pants, picks up a machine gun and tears into his club in pursuit. And apparently no one in the club's like, oh, Rick's, Rick's got the machine gun again. Yeah, and he's running down the sidewalk and extras yeah. are just... Kind of going, kind of, huh? Uh-huh, backing off and watching him. Yeah. Are you see well, he run, a, a, like guy a guy with a, a white gun tuxedo with a machine gun sprinting. <laughs> You you get you don't just step aside. You 
find shelter. <laughs> so as that's happening, Higgins reaches the Ferrari, which apparently he's parked like 10 blocks away from the cafe, from the club. Well, Because it takes him like forever to get it, there. And it, is it the red light district where the I would club ex- is? It seems because like it. it seems Higgins, like it. Yeah. you see Higgins walking past yeah. all these like yeah. porno places. So, uh, and so Higgins gets the car, the ice cream thug reaches him before he can get in the car and is, uh, you know, accosts him. What are you doing with this car? Uh, thinks it's Magnum's car, of course. Yeah. Um, and is, uh, pulls a gun on him. Um, but Higgins is very clever and can't be seen. He kind of trips the car alarm to distract the guy. And uh, so he can knock the gun out of his hand. And while this is happening, Magnum and Alice show up. Mm-hmm. Because they're at the club, so they've arrived from the Navy thing. Magnum like sees Rick running like a fucking maniac with a machine gun down the street and starts running with the maniac with the machine gun down the street. Um, so they all uh, run uh, to save Higgins, who uh, is gets away from the ice cream goon, who recovers his gun and shoots, but Magnum dives and uh, tackles Higgins behind a car to protect him, and then Rick guns down this guy in the street with his machine gun. Uh, And in the aftermath, uh, there's Higgins and uh, Magnum have this exchange. I uh, don't know what to say. So you owe me one. I'd really rather not. He really doesn't want to owe him no, he, shit. Like, not even he his just, own life. He saved your life, <laughs> he dude. He hates Magnum so much. <laughs> he can't stand uh, him. And then at the end of all this, TC is the voice of reason who says, where'd you get this gun, Orville? <laughs> uh, and Higgins is bemused to learn Rick's true name. Yes. Oh, <laughs> So, and then apparently, again, this is like a no... Re- no need to hang around for the police at this crime scene either. Uh, they'll figure it out. Because uh, we crossfade to Magnum shirtless in the ocean again. And he's got a, his voiceover going. And he's contemplating uh, all of his clues. And he has an epiphany. He's figured out the identity of this mysterious drug dealer who killed Lieutenant Dan that we all know is Robert Loja because we've known that from the beginning. Was his um, shoulder injured in the shootout? Or... Because he's... He and when he's contemplating, he's rubbing his yeah. Left I think maybe shoulder. yeah. He might have yeah. He might have jammed it up. And I something. wasn't sure if that's like an old war injury. We're supposed to. Uh, uh, that might that's be what it. it is. Yeah, it's not. It's not particularly clear. Um, but he's figured out who it is, and then uh, we get the 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 clip of him charging his forty five pistol. That'll that's the clip that's used in the opening sequence. Yes. The oh, and sequence. I forgot to mention when he was in the navy uniform and he's looking. Oh yeah. Uh, through the file. Yeah, that's, that's another pull. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so so we had we're heading to the big finish now. Magnum goes to the airport, and he's looking at flights leaving for Asia because I guess he's figured this guy's leaving for Asia. Or we got some info that he, the plot is not. It's super not clear, clear but um, he figured something yeah, out. Yeah, he, he figured it out. Who cares? It's Magnum. He figured it out. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's searching for the killer. Um, it's the two blonde bikini ladies who were staying at, at the master Robin Masters' estate this whole time, They're who are stewardesses yeah. or uh, flight attendants. Uh, and they they notice and they go Magnum in their accents that I'm not sure what they are. Uh, and French they're, and they're French. They're French stewardesses. They're Norwegian French, <laughs> ish ish. <laughs> and 
So they call out, which which alerts Robert Loja, who turns around. We yeah. see him now fully in the same, I guess, khaki leisure suit he'd been wearing as his bad guy costume. Uh, yeah. that was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, oh, it, it's and so, Robert Loja! Yeah, so it's revealed Loja is the bad guy, which should not be surprising to anyone. It's been Loja this whole time. <laughs> The Robert Loggia was inside each one of us the whole time. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, not enough of a distraction because Magnum sees Loggia slinking off, ditches the, the the bikini ladies to pursue. Loggia calmly seeks an exit, looking around. We see he's got the same unit signet ring uh, as Magnum and Lieutenant Dan and heads into the bathroom. And then Magnum heads in there with him. And uh, Loja's got his gun hidden at the ready, um, gets it out of his briefcase, because as we all know, in the 80s, you are required to carry briefcases full of guns on every air- airline flight. Oh, absolutely. In the 80s, it was a big thing. You had to do it. Especially but, when you're uh, coming out of Hawaii. Yeah. Now, Magnum confronts Loja. He's got his gun drawn and ready. Uh, Loja's excuse for murdering Lieutenant Dan, I guess, is that he's just kind of a greedy dick. Is that he's just kind of like I don't know I had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So and then I don't they, know what a lot of the motivation for people like it's getting muddy. into crime is not it's clear. Muddy. Other um, than just generalized yeah. greed, which and is then, lazy right Yeah, now. and then uh, Loja and Magnum uh, have this exchange. There are two kinds of men at war, Magnum. Those who can end life those who can't but of course you know that this isn't Nam no why didn't you come back for me Loja's down for the count. Magnum's hurt in the shoulder. Did you give him a little guilt trip? Yeah, what I thought was kind of interesting about that was like, why didn't you come back for me? You said not to. I know. You expressly told us not to. (laughs) But before Magnum could say that, they had to shoot at (laughs) 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 So we could clear it up. But no, that was kind of interesting, though, because that gave a little nuance to Loja's essentially one-dimensional bad guy, mostly, because he was absent for most of the story. So... uh, you know, so that's uh, case closed. We fade to black. I know. I, I love a dead guy in a bathroom. Yeah, is no, case it's, closed. It's, Everything's it is, fine. Yeah, as opposed to Magnum faces or, charges. Yeah, or and security bursting in to see what's going on. <laughs> Multiple gunshots in an airport bathroom. We should investigate. No, that's it. Um, and uh, so later, Magnum cracks a beer. Uh, secure in the knowledge, his friend Lieutenant Dan has been cleared and buried in Arlington Cemetery with honors. Right. Uh, the narration, uh, Magnum's uh, voiceover, uh, says that he, he took a call from Robin Masters himself about new stewardesses, apparently, that are coming to stay on the estate. So far, three. Fl- three. And so far, these ones are definitely French. That yeah. Are coming. Yeah. Uh, but so far, it's established that only stewardesses—they're the only guests that ever show up to Robin Masters. Estate. Yeah. And he's never um, there to enjoy their presence. Never, never. And then uh, Apollo and Zeus bark at Magnum, and uh, the pilot episode ends. Ah, oh, so good. And uh, that's our intro to Magnum. So so good. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit 
Magnum News Network. Yeah, what's in the Magnum News? Oh my gosh. So uh, this episode of Magnum P.I. Uh, aired with part one on December 11th, 1980 on CBS. Uh, let's take a look at what else was going on in the news uh that week what was uh well first off president-elect ronald reagan nominated casper weinberger as secretary of defense oh he was our greatest president oh of course uh yeah. the uh the library the reagan yeah, library is right library. down the street yeah yeah it's right uh, down the street. how you can tell because he has a library yeah yeah he's great uh, uh soviet president leonid brezhnev offered the united states and other countries a plan to guarantee peace in the persian gulf so that all worked out. Yeah, that they fixed so much <laughs> so in the 80s. So great, great, uh, uh, great job there, everybody. And in pop culture, the Clint Eastwood movie, Any Which Way You Can, Robert Altman's Popeye, and Flash Gordon were all in theaters. Wow, that is a pile of cinematic <laughs> shit you just listed. That is... I mean, I like the orangutan thing, but you got to admit that that's not a good movie. No. So that's that. Um Let's talk about some dated shit or the unwoke 80s. Well, okay. The the most egregious thing is right at, in that epilogue where he learns that the the stewardesses... Yeah, and does he call them three, like stews? He calls them three French stews. Stews. That's just... And when he said that, like, I was like, wait, I was thinking of like the dish, like the pot... I didn't. I wasn't thinking it was like a yeah, a, like a like, like a shortened a, of like stewardess. A, I was like sweet stews, like stews. and I was like, ooh, I could go for some stew. Right yeah, now. I like stew, but <laughs> calling, you know, if you've ever thought it's dumb that you have to call them flight attendants now instead of stewards and stewardesses. Yeah, all you have to do is watch this show. Yeah. listen to Tom Selleck call them stews, and you'll know why. I would have demanded you call me a flight attendant. After. <laughs> Fucking Magnum calls me a stew. And can we talk about the leery Judge Reinhold? Yeah, what the hell? Like his his uh, uh, Navy man uh, leering after Alice with his like creepy like l- the creepy like eighties lean out and grin at a lady's behind <laughs> uh, kind of <laughs> acting that is like it's like serial killer. It's like is he like Dexter's dad? <laughs> so creepy and then of course there's uh bazooms bazooms. yeah Yeah, i mean come on there's a lot of coming in this half of the pilot there's a lot of this sort of misogynistic talk i don't think i'm trying to think were the dogs abused in this episode i I couldn't tell no i don't think so i I don't think think so the all the dog abuse was in in the the part one they 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 front loaded the dog abuse, <laughs> uh, so they could make way for the misogyny yeah. and the objectification. Yeah, hey, we got way too much misogyny and objectification in the second part. We're gonna have to hold off on dog abuse. Maybe episode three. <laughs> Just push it. Just push that dog abuse. All right, fashion yeah. PI. What's going on in fashions? Okay, in first of all, I'd like to say they made a good call when they put Tom Selleck in a naval officer's yeah. uniform. He, he looks sharp. Looks so, so good. So sharp. So good. Um, here are some problems. Rick's tux, which on the upper half is white, yeah. but on the lower half it's black. But that's the that's the Casablanca style. Oh, is that was yeah, that was yeah. that the Casablanca? Yeah. I don't remember that because I thought it wasn't was Casablanca was in black and white though, wasn't it? Yeah, 
But well, you can tell white pants from black pants in a black and white. Well, no, movie. I understand that, but I guess it just didn't strike me because it was black yeah. and white. It just looked weird. But to that's me. also that's a that's a tux combo you can do. Oh, okay. In certain, I, for certain occasions. Oh yeah, I've I've not seen that. Uh, but it's the, kind of it's kind of dated now. You're but, right. Well, and one of the and dated still, yeah. the the th- the dress that Alice wears. The you mean the you mean like with the, the weird the red curtains. flowers? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta... It's not even curtains, it's like shower curtains. <laughs> <laughs> it looks yeah. horrible. Um, those were the ones that I noticed. I don't know if you have any other No, fashion. no, no. That was, it was the, uh, the, the curtain dress. Was... Yeah, that was the worst. So guests of note. Uh, well, you got Reinhold. Yeah, Reinhold uh, is the big, he's the big gun and uh, this is, for this one. This is pre-Fast Times, uh-huh. even. Yeah, this, I mean, this could easily be one of his first jobs. Yeah, it's one of his first jobs, and then almost immediately he's launched into stardom. Why didn't that happen for me? Well, because... After uh, I had that guest turn on Clueless. Well, because in 1980, you were eight. <laughs> It would no, have been, I mean, for it, me it, later. It would have been a weird, like, I don't think you could have played, a like, a, a Navy uh, enlisted enlisted man at eight. No, I understand that. I just, my point is, is why, how did he go from a guest star, a weird guest star role in this uh, show, to, like, a, an immediate movie star? It was, the 80s were in Anything Goes Time, my friend. He had good cocaine. Good cocaine. And he shared it. Uh-huh. That's there what happened. Go. That's the go. problem is I don't have cocaine or anyone yeah. who yeah. wants to share it with me. I'd be a much bigger star. Mm. Reinhold was in Be- Beverly Hills Cop as well. That's right. That's right. Well, here's to surviving another, uh, what did you call it? Case. Yeah, I guess that's it for the show. Uh, <laughs> so is that our sign? That's off our now? sign off. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for listening. I'd like to thank uh, my Zeus to my Apollo. I am Zeus. Uh, Todd Robert Anderson. I'm uh, Steve Skelton. You can uh, listen to us on previously TV here, and uh, we'll be uh, picking up next time with episode three of Magnum PI. A regular length episode. All right. So thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye-bye.